Hello and welcome to the Lost World Minute, the Minute by Minute podcast with your 1997 sequel, Jurassic Park, one minute at a time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're here to discuss Minute 28 of the Lost World. Dave, how you been? Doing good, I'm doing good. How about you? Yeah, very good, very good. Uh, recording this early on a early in the morning before I start work. <laughs> so, oh, alright. Fitting, fitting the recordings in wherever we can and yeah, just trying to get our two episodes out to you good listeners. Which mm-hmm. we are getting more listeners, David. Where the Instagrams about to yeah, hit 500. We're, <laughs> we're so close to 500 followers, and it's amazing. Thank it. Thanks to everybody who follows us. We hope to get more listeners. We hope to get more of this wonderful information out there. And you guys are awesome. Yeah. Yep. Now Facebook, we're going along smooth too. Uh, well mm-hmm. over 100, 100 likes on the Facebook page. Um, Twitter's going off as well, um, like mainly to the help of uh, previous guest Mr. Dre Jurassic and uh, some of the other Jurassic Park podcast accounts on there. It's just sharing everyone's information. It's just great. Everyone's getting the word out of uh, everything that's happening at the moment with the ancient futures and uh, and the podcast as well. And we do have a do have a segment here for feedback. If anyone does want to uh, email in, message us in uh, any way you see fit. Um, ask a question, discuss something that's on the uh, on an upcoming minute. We do have uh, one one guy's uh, sent an email in, uh, loving the show, he watches on YouTube, and um, he's got, a, he's got a, uh, a question for a later minute, and we can certainly get to that when we get there. So if you want to uh, want to take part and be part of the show, just let us know, and uh, we'll see what we're going to do. All right, anything to bring up before we get to minute 28? Yeah, I think uh, we haven't got a lot of Jurassic World news uh, other than we talked about on our last minute. Yep. So, I think we should get right into it. Alright, let's do it. As we end the 27th minute of the Lost World, Eddie's smiling, going, wow, wow. Still not believing what he'd just seen. As we begin the 28th minute, Nick's taking film out of his camera and putting it back away into containers, saying these shots are legendary and people shoot their whole life and never get anything this good. At 27 minutes and 6 seconds, Nick pulls a cigarette out from behind his ear and puts it in his mouth. Sarah tells him not to light it. The dinosaurs can pick up scents from miles away. We're here to observe and document, not interact. At 27 minutes and 14 seconds, Malcolm replies, which is pretty much impossible. The uh, Rosenberg uncertainty principle, whatever you study, also changes. Sarah doesn't care. She's been years scratching around rock and bone making assumptions about nurturing habits of dinosaurs that have been dead for 65 million years, and she's sick of it, man. At 27 minutes and 30 seconds, as they climb over a large fallen tree, Sarah tells Malcolm that he showed up and filled a head full of stories for four years. Malcolm replies, "Your stories of mutilation and death weren't you paying attention? At 27 minutes and 36 seconds, Sarah says, please don't treat her like a great student. She's been studying African predators since she was 20 years old. Lions, jackals, hyenas, you. This gets a chuckle from Malcolm. At 27 minutes and 47 seconds, we cut back to Nick and Eddie. Nick's seeing something through the trees and starts to run. At 27 minutes and 53 seconds, Eddie also sees the smoke and yells out, There's a fire. At 27 minutes and 54 seconds, Sarah sits Malcolm down and explains to him that she's trying to change 100 years of entrenched dogmut and that early on dinosaurs were classified as vicious lizards. 
And this ends the 28th minute of the Lost World. Alright, so Nick, he, uh, going on from last minute where he uh, was pretty up on himself for the photos and the content of the photos he took, even though it was mostly Sarah taking those photos. Um, you're mm. saying, give him the ports are right now. Competition's over, close the entries, I'd like to thank anyone at Lost. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good little thing. Um, the ports surprise, isn't that for writing? I I think so. Yeah, I know it from Superman. <laughs> but um, I should have researched it. But I'm pretty sure it's for like journalistic, like a journalistic prize. It is. A, it's a journalism prize, and that may be what you're talking about. They do hand uh, posters for um, photography for jur- photojournalism. Yep. And I don't know if documentarianism counts, but hey, you can go for it. Yeah. 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 Otherwise, um, David Attenborough will have a large, very large uh, collection oh, on his wall. Yeah. Yeah. Really. <laughs> All right. What yeah, else this we got? scene that was actually takes place at Big Tree Wayside in the Prairie Creek, Creek Redwoods, mm. nearby where they filmed the Stegosaurus uh, scenes. And so, I am absolutely furious with myself, only because. I must have passed it like five times when I went and I never stopped and I never stopped and actually look, uh, went there because oh, yeah. I was, had this giant log and I saw that's what I thought of that. That's all it was. It was called, it was this giant log and then a sign that said big tree wayside. And so I looked at it, I would look at it log and say, yeah, that's a big tree. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, and kicking myself in the ass, thinking I'd never, realizing why I never uh, visited there, because it's on a road that it's a scenic, it's called a scenic highway. It's off the main highway. Yep. And it cuts for about five miles right through the heart of the old growth redwoods, so you get to see these giant, magnificent trees, but still go be able to go through a hot, through at highway speed, and it's just magnificent. Mm. It's about ten mile stretch of road, and it's just magnificent. That's where you. That's where all the um, cut-ins for all the hiking trails and stuff are on that scenic highway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is sort of the first look at the redwoods we get. Um, I, I just love how like the trees are so large. They're sort of spaced out as well, but it still seems mm-hmm. like it's so enclosed. You just got that thick canopy of trees, or the um, canopy above sort of keeping the sunlight out mm-hmm. um, and you still can't really see sort of 100, 200 feet through the trees, you've sort of still only got that little area where you can see just because the, the trunks are so big um, mm-hmm. and just take out the horizon so fast yeah but um, we get a lot of talking a lot of talking back and forth for this minute um, yeah we do get discussion about the Heisenberg uncertainty principle yeah <laughs> I don't see more of a physics uh, concept, which is why I don't know even know why they brought it up. Mm. Well, yeah, and especially coming from Malcolm, you think he'd use some sort of chaos because he doesn't in this film. He's uh, mm-hmm. he is not anything in chaos, which makes me wonder why people say they want uh, all that to come back in Jurassic World Two when he's fifty-fifty at the moment for being a chaos chaotician. So, but. Uh, Nick pulls a cigarette out from behind his ear that uh, he mm-hmm. didn't have there before. Um, sort of goes to the uh, the smoking thing, which uh, isn't brought up again. Um, 
it's played on a lot more in the uh, early script. Um, yep. Sarah tells him to put it out. Dinosaurs can pick up scents from miles away. We're here to observe, document, and not interact. And that's when we get Malcolm, mm-hmm. uh, which is impossible. The Rosenhood uncertainty principle, whatever you study can also change, which yep. I'm guessing that's the that only is- reason. That's like a gross oversimplification of what the Heisenberg <laughs> actually is. And what it actually states is that the more you examine uh, mo- atomic molecules, the less, uh, the more, the easier you can discern where or how fast it's going, but the less capable you are of discerning how where it actually is. Well, see, that's just that's just giving Malcolm something clever to say. Like some yeah, people, some people can get it, some people can get it, and other people go, "Well, that sounded like <laughs> that sounds like Malcolm." But, uh-huh. Yeah, but uh, Sarah doesn't care. She'll risk it. She's sick of scratching around in rock and bone, making assumptions, deductions about nurturing habits of animals that have been dead for sixty-five million years. She's sick of it, man. <laughs> <laughs> and going a bit of that playfulness coming through. Um, which you do, and that's that's what we've said before about her getting there early and being so mm-hmm. excited to be on the island. Um, it was part of Grant's sort of uh, wonderment in Jurassic Park as well, along with Ellie sort of seeing the stuff in the real life and not just in rock and bone. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all rock, as Billy says later on in the next movie. But yeah. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, actually being able to see, experience, witness... Um, and and yeah, her sort of sorry, go ahead. Oh, her sort of stuff like behavioural stuff was more more so because you can only imagine um, mm-hmm. the lack of info. Or I suppose it's some some sites you get info with uh, herds or whatever else, but she's sort of looking at nests um, mm-hmm. using using crushed eggs egg fragments um, to try and try and guess at how uh, how animals nurtured whether the young stayed in the nests for a long yep. period of time, all that stuff. Another uh, gross oversimplification of what fossilization actually is. Uh, Billy actually great puts makes uh, in Just Part Three makes a great um, easy explanation of what it is. Is it's not ex- it's not actually bones, but rather calcification, just replaces all of the all the calcium in the bones with rock. So all you get is these bones that take in the properties these bone-shaped rocks are really what they are that have taken in the properties of the rocks around them. Yeah, yeah. and that's and that's probably one like one misconception um, a lot of people have about fossils is they're not actually <laughs> the bones. The bones are gone. All the soft tissue is gone. Um, yeah. Well, not always. <laughs> oh, not always, not always. But uh, most of the time, it just if it's uh, the right situation, right conditions, it'll imprint onto the mud the animal lays down on where you'll get your skin... Um, skin imprints, uh, your foot imprints, um, all that sort of stuff. There's been mm-hmm. sort of feather imprints coming out of China, which has uh, helped the raptor debate more as being the uh, the feathered raptors. Um, yeah. Yeah, and as as he says, sort of, you can tell by the texture of the rock, and that's how you tell your bones. Now it doesn't just um, blend together. You can clearly see the shapes as well because we got them in the museums, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, most of the time the bones are bones are gone and it's been replaced by rock, rock yeah. sediment. Yeah, she's uh, she's sick of uh, scratching rock and bone, and then she says, uh, "You show up and fill my head full of stories for four years." Where it was her that showed up and listened to those stories for four years. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> Malcolm, yeah, stories of mutilation and death weren't you paying attention? <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, he was in hospital for so long with his injured leg. Mm-hmm. Thought there was inherent danger there, and she sort of put all that to the wayside just to be there to uh, to see the animals. And she says, mm-hmm. oh, please don't treat me like a grad student. I've been working around predators since I was 20 years old. Lions, jackals, hyenas, you. <laughs> which is another, <laughs> another good little jab. Um, yeah. Which which we get a, we get another line later in the trailer, but she knows how much of a womanizer he is, and I wonder if she's, or if he's tried to stray since they've met. Because it, it does seem to seem to sort of go go here with his animalistic side and not necessarily mm-hmm. him being a predator. Um, yeah. It just sort of comes across to me as, oh, yeah, you roam. You roam a bit. Um, but we get a good little chuckle out of Malcolm from it, so mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's lightening up to the situation because this whole time he's been given a death stares saying, why the hell are you here? Why didn't, yeah. you, why didn't you call me? I would have strapped you to the bed. It just... <laughs> And he's about to get even worse when he gets back to the trailer and discovers someone else is here as well. But uh, we cut to Nick. He uh, sees some fruit of trees and runs past Eddie. Eddie sees it also and yells out fire. So they can... Uh, whether they can see the trails or whether they can just see smoke coming up over uh, some low brush. It's not I actually... think it's smoke. Because in the script, that's how what they describe. They describe that they see smoke coming up over the uh, trees and they're oh, like, yep. they say they think the camp's on fire oh okay yep and we're we're gonna get to like um when we went we'll probably wait until we finish the, the movie out before we go back and we'll devote an episode to the uh, scripts because I'm going through the original pre-San Diego script at the moment taking notes and there are some big changes especially in this first half hour which uh yeah. I almost enjoy more Except uh, before with the Stegosaur attack, it's not actually Stegosaurs. Well, they start the attack, but um, there's a mating scene which I don't really think belongs in the film, and I'm glad it was changed. But um, I can't say their name, but it was two large sauropods mating, and they were sort of running around between oh, their, yeah. between their yeah, legs. Yeah, it was directly after the Stegosaurus attack yeah. was the um, yeah. mating Mementiosaurus. That's it, yeah. And... and um, it's like, I mean, it kind of doesn't go into super explicit detail in the, in the original script, but it's something you could easily see Spielberg looking at and just saying, going to David Kapp and the guys and saying, guys, this is a PG-13 movie. <laughs> yeah, well, one of the main main dangers there is they're sort of um, mucking around and thrashing their tails around and uh, knocking trees over and uh, uh-huh. causing debris to fall, and the group find the uh, safest spots under their legs uh, similar to what we see with the motorbike riding between the legs later but um, they sort of hide under them for a minute, they realise they're mating and in a moment of uh, when they can they sort of run off run off through the jungle in the other direction um, mm-hmm. which in other movies you might have got a big a big uh, bit of liquid draw fall on the ground and hit them or something and try and be a a dirty joke, but I'm glad uh, in the end it sort of didn't really fit. We got enough excitement out of the stegosaurs. We didn't yeah. need two uh, large sauropods in the same area mm-hmm. freshen around. Um, I don't know. I mean, I do think that the idea of the um, sor- of the Mementiosaurus in the 
Redwood Forest would have been cool. Yeah, yeah. We kind of got to see a little bit of in what, the 1990s Walking with Dinosaurs miniseries, and yep. we got to see those Diplodocus uh, roaming around in the Redwoods. Mm. So ever since then, I always thought it'd be cool to see that in a Jurassic Park movie. But I don't know. I think the I think the mating goes it takes it a bit too far. Not to be stuffy or a uh, prude or anything. I mean, I'm far from prude, but uh, that just doesn't seem like it's something that belongs in a Jurassic Park movie. Yeah, and we got the baby stegosaur already, so we know they're mating. We know we know they're breeding. Um, Hammond's already said it. They're breeding. They're they're uh, flourishing. So. We didn't really need it backed up by an actual mating scene where, again, it's not really... More of it's shot from down at the people's angle, um, mm-hmm. just trying to escape the legs moving around and stay under the mm-hmm. animals. There's no no pan-ops to see one thing doing something to something else or something. There's just, like, their necks are wrapped around each other sort of like snakes at one stage. And, yeah. Um, that's that's about it. So it wasn't it wasn't an overly dirty scene to start with, but um, it, does, it does sort of cut this attack down from probably been a minute and a half to about 25 seconds so um which good does allow allow to do some other stuff later on freeze up the time a bit but uh yeah they've uh eddie and nick are running towards the smoke sarah sits malcolm down and uh explains to him that she's trying to um change 100 years of dogma and that uh dinosaurs were classified mm-hmm. very early on as vicious lizards which you only got to look at those very early animatics of like iguanodons and that roaring and, yeah. <laughs> and got their thumb spike on their nose instead of their thumb. And <laughs> or even um, the first version of the Lost World from 1920, from the 1926 version, I think that was. Yep. Uh, there's just, it's just pretty much all dinosaurs fighting. That's pretty much all they do, you know. Yeah. It's chase humans. Yep. <laughs> and it, I mean, after while, after a while, it kind of becomes to the point where. These are living, breathing creatures. They do more than just fight and chase people, you know? Yeah. And that's something I always liked about the first two Jurassic Park movies is it goes... It takes the time to describe dinosaurs as being more than just vicious animals, you know? They're actual living, breathing animals. They they take care of their young. They um, they defend their young if they need to. They, they sit around. They eat. They just do what they do. And we're just caught up in it, like you said. Yeah, yeah, and that's sort of um, there's there's issues with Jurassic Park three and sort of the Spinosaur just being a relentless monster is sort of yeah. um, one of my dislikes about it. But sort of now we're sort of piecing together right. Well, was it part of we're experimenting and not actual the real animal and all this sort of stuff as well? But um, it could have been worse there if they had the Brachiosaurs attack the boat as well when they come across and see the herd. <laughs> on the bank definitely these two the first two films you sort of um and it was Spielberg's sort of wish or what he wanted to do he didn't want the he wanted the animals to be characters not uh yeah not monsters well that's the thing is um I mean I really don't think of the dinosaurs as characters I think they're more as parts of nature because yeah. I mean that's really what they are but it's kind of like I mean they're not quite lassie they're not quite they're not quite old yeller they're not they're not actual characters that you fall in love with. Well, some people do. I don't, but a lot of people do. Um, yeah. But they're not the rabid wolf either. They're not one-dimensional bad guys. Yeah. You know? Even the raptors, when we see later on, they um, they have a bit of dimension to them. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, they fight, they squabble amongst each other, but they also hunt too. And yeah. if we go into their territory, we become their prey. It's like when people get when people go into the swamps and that and mess with alligators, then they then they freak out when they get bit. Well, you're in the one, you're in their territory, and two, you messed with them, and three, they're alligators. Biting is what they kind of do, mm. you know. Yeah, and we sort of see it, see it a little bit later on too when uh, the hunters turn up and we got Dita talking with Burke about the compi and it's sort of just sitting there and you say, well, there's no one been on the island for years. They got mm-hmm. no, not no reason to fear, man. Um, yeah, this is the compies are probably like second generational. Yeah. You know, they're small. They probably breed quickly. Yeah, well, you, you only got to think these animals have sort of been been here breeding and uh, on the loose mm-hmm. for the same amount of time as those animals in, populated for Jurassic Park so yeah. um, where you get most well, I mean, it's yeah. been four years since the first Jurassic Park so all the animals are trying to go on to the second generation we're starting to get the baby T-Rex, the baby Triceratops the baby Stegosaurus you know? Yeah well I wouldn't be surprised especially with the raptors that there's a third generation as well, What we never see the nest uh, in this film yeah, that's true, and that's something I'll bring up during that minute. It's something yep. I always wish we got to see. Because mm. right. that's such a lovely moment in the book, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's one one major scene, unfortunately, it's cut from the audio book. Well, <laughs> and they it doesn't can, even appear in the scripts either. Yeah, they completely gloss over it, uh, which is sad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what else was there? Yeah, I just, I just would have loved to see... Um, since there haven't been any people there, sort of a little bit more caution, especially when yeah. we get the raptors, maybe play around with your food a little bit first to sort of see see what uh, response you're going to get instead of just going... Yeah. Especially in the long grass, like even if it was the first or second person pulled down or sort of not, not pulled down and killed straight away, like pull them down, play with them a little bit, let them get up and run away again and pull them down again and do the job. Well, that's kind of another kind of uh, that's another kind of um, point that the movie tries to make, though, is that the um, Ian Malcolm's team kind of goes in there trying to be antiseptic. They, uh, of course, Sarah kind of screws it up with the Stegosaurus, but they go in there with the intention of being antiseptic. They go in there not bothering, being one with nature, and just trying to document the animals without interference. Mm. Whereas Ludlow's team goes in there with InGen. And they're going in there with gas-powered jeeps, uh, Revler engines, blowing up dust, getting tire tracks everywhere, you know? Yeah, well, they're, they're, not, they're not in it for the preservation of the island. They're in to get capture assets and yeah, get out exactly. again. Um, and both teams yeah, are... Right. Yeah. yeah, and both teams are working on the outer rim to stay away from the major predators. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's tackled a lot more in that pre-San Diego script. Um, it is, yes. Where it's it's more they're being um, so antiseptic and sort of sterile because they want pure footage of the animals there in their natural habitat, um, not uh-huh. not being affected by man. Um, there's yeah, one. Yeah, they go in there with, um, get with uh, battery-powered electric uh, Mercedes too. You know, I mean, when you look at the Mercedes; they have battery packs on them. Well, and that's that's interesting too because there's a fifth team member. Um, there's another yeah, person, yeah. Like Sarah's got yeah. a, yeah, Sarah's got a companion um, mm-hmm. with her. Um, 
which is interesting. I haven't got to the part of the script where they make their demise. I'm interested to get there, but um, yeah, so they're all they want to be sort of pure, get the footage they can clean, um, mm-hmm. and in come InGen with diesel diesel jeeps and diesel powered vehicles, putting dust and smoke in the air and knocking yeah. down knocking down lengths of jungle. It sort of it gave me a real vibe of the uh, jungle scene from Crystal Skull, <laughs> just. Yeah. InGen storming through the jungle, knocking over trees as they go, and not really caring about the uh, pristine of the island or anything like that. Mhm. But yeah, I suppose. Uh, well, we can get to that. We can get to the scripts later on. We'll we'll pull from it yeah. where we need to along the way. Um, mhm. But uh, anything else you want to add to minute twenty-eight before we get out of here? Yeah, I think we're good. Rightio. All right, guys, let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com. You can email feedback to thelostworldminute at gmail.com. Facebook, The Lost World Minute. Twitter, at The Lost World Minute. And Instagram, The Lost World Minute. Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to remember. Right. <laughs> uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Goodbye. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, Life will find a way.